Hello everyone and welcome back to The Corporate Casket. My name is Blair and today we're going to be taking a look at yet another business that some have argued operates like a cult. This company may not be as well known as Lululemon or most MLMs I've talked about. This one's called Landmark Worldwide. Today isn't so much a crazy wild ride with outrageous claims, but we're taking a peek behind the curtain and looking into what this company does that's had people so wary and skeptical of it. So let's jump right in. Landmark Worldwide, according to its website, is an international personal and professional growth, training, and development company with a range of offerings that are innovative, effective, and immediately relevant. Landmark's leading edge methodology enables people to produce extraordinary results and enhance the quality of their lives. Landmark's courses and seminars are offered in more than 125 cities via 53 major offices around the world. More than 193,000 people participate in Landmark's courses every year. I'm sure a lot of you that work an office job have heard of corporate seminars or things of that nature. The idea of a three-day weekend that teaches people about getting ahead in business, what success means, or things of that nature is not uncommon. Landmark Education has been around since the early 90s and their entry course, Landmark Forum, seems to be nothing more than a development seminar. That is, until you start to dig a little bit deeper. In order to understand Landmark, we have to understand EST or Erhard Seminars Training. Werner Erhard, the father of self-help, as he's been described by the New York Times, started his seminars in the 70s. I'm not saying he was the only one doing this, but his seminars easily became some of the most controversial at that time. According to my source, aspiring Estes flocked to hotel ballrooms across the country for combative training sessions, during which they forewent meal and bathroom breaks to take responsibility for their lives and get it by discovering there was nothing to get. The criticism intensified as EST grew. It was labeled a cult that practiced mind control, verbal abuse, sleep deprivation, a racket that exploited its followers, heavy recruiting, endless graduate seminars. Much was made of Mr. Earhart's tangled Don Draperish past. His days as a car salesman in Philadelphia, his dabbling in mind dynamics and Scientology, his desertion of his first wife and their four children to reinvent himself on the West Coast. In 1985, he repackaged EST as the forum, a kinder, gentler iteration of the training that was also more success orientated. In the 80s, people started to think a little bit and it was possible to use a less confrontational style, he said. But tax disputes, company lawsuits, and an ugly divorce from his second wife kept Mr. Earhart in the news media crosshairs. Word about Mr. Earhart began to spread and none of it looked good. His name was fake, lifted from an Esquire article he read that made reference to Ledwig Earhart, a minister of economics, and Werner Heisenberg, an atomic scientist. Mr. Werner Erhard was really born Jack Rosenberg. In 1991, the IRS officials publicly accused Erhard of tax fraud. At the same time, 60 Minutes broadcast a report on him that depicted him as an abusive father and husband who molested two daughters from his second marriage. Just before the show was televised, he sold the forum and fled the country. Things got worse and worse for Erhard, even though he claims the allegations were just a smear campaign organized by Scientology officials to get back at him for poaching clients and ideas. 
Strangely enough, he may not be wrong about that either. Mr. Earhart sued the IRS itself for falsely claiming he evaded taxes and won almost a quarter of a million dollars in damages. The daughter that accused him of abuse recanted, admitting she lied to receive an advance on a book. The 60 minute segment, it turned out, was riddled with so many discrepancies that CBS even deleted it from its public archives. So no, I don't believe Earhart is nearly as horrible as people believed. And I think it's pretty common knowledge that it's far harder to repair a bad reputation than it is to get one in the first place. A lot of accusations hurled his way were unfounded and CBS should have done their proper fact checking before ever airing that first 60 minutes expose. Is he shady and untrustworthy with questionable seminars? Perhaps, but that doesn't give anyone a right to wrongly label him as a child molester either. However, the reason I bring this up at all is because to this day, people question EST's old methods as well as what they became at Landmark. One GQ article reads, the Landmark Forum is the streamlined, highly gentler offspring of the pinnacle of the 70s counter movement EST. In EST's heyday, large groups of groovy seekers were reportedly locked in rooms for as long as 20 hours a day over two consecutive weekends and subjected to fantastic group pressure, verbal abuse, and brutal honesty, all in the name of self-empowerment, personal transformation, and the ego of EST's creator, a one-time car salesman turned publisher named Jack Rosenberg, AKA Werner Erhard. In 1991, with lawsuits pending and a potentially damning 60 Minutes expose was about to create loads of bad publicity, Erhard sold the technology of transformation to a group of his former employees and split the country. His followers eventually formed a company called Landmark Education. Landmark now has over 400 employees in 21 countries. Its 2003 revenues were approximately $67 million. The Landmark Forum is the flagship seminar, a $400 three-day public personal inquisition through which participants seek a transformation, a breakthrough to living powerfully. Even though Erhard or Jack Rosenberg, whoever was unjustly attacked, I think it's safe to say that Landmark was born of questionable circumstances. People labeled EST as mind-controlling and occult long before the 60 Minutes show ever aired after all. But the Landmark Forum has been developed by different people and it's in a new time now, right? Well, don't hold your breath. Earhart has been involved in numerous projects along with EST, such as the Hunger Project. Around that time, Hunger Project was criticized as a group that had no intention of actually feeding the starving, but just raising awareness of hunger. They've even been called an offshoot of EST in the past with the vice president and secretary treasurer of Hunger Project both being members of the EST advisory board. This goes way back though to the 70s and 80s. Erhard's no longer on their board today and the Hunger Project seems to have cut ties with his organization. This is just to say that when Erhard gets involved with a project, it doesn't seem to elicit a very positive response. And let's take a moment from the insanity of today's video to talk about today's sponsor, ExpressVPN. So you guys know the deal, ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? And you guys even know that ExpressVPN can be used to work with Netflix so you can watch shows and things that are not available in your area. You can watch Doctor Who over on Netflix UK, same with Star Trek Discovery. If you wanna go over to Canada Netflix, you can check out Brooklyn Nine-Nine over there and Rick and Morty is over on France Netflix. And if you're interested in checking out some anime, you can go to Japanese Netflix with ExpressVPN as well and take a look at everything over there too. 
There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never buffering or lag, at least for me, and you can stream in HD with no problem too, which is chef's kiss. So if you wanna get started right now and get ExpressVPN, go to expressvpn.com casket where you can get an extra three months for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect your identity online by going to expressvpn.com casket. So because Landmark is so deeply rooted in Earhart's values, I'm not sure how much good they have to offer, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. So let's go ahead and start with what people have said about their seminars, the good and the bad. Now, these reviews as expected were a bit of a mixed bag. Even though I know this company isn't at all like the Girl Scouts, I think the similarity here is that the experience is almost going to depend entirely on the leader you get and the activities you do. Some people might be fine sitting down all day, just listening to a group leader talk about how to change your life. Some people might get bored of that really easily and say the long hours were killer for them. If a leader is dynamic and entertaining, I'm sure that would help. Whereas if they're talking to someone in a monotone voice all day, I can't imagine someone having a fantastic experience. So whether you've had a fantastic time or horrible time with Landmark, that's valid. I just want to go over some firsthand accounts to see if anything particularly worrying surfaced. The first review I found on YouTube was largely positive. The young woman in the video said that as difficult as it was for her to sit all day, she found that Landmark really did change her view of the world. She claimed that she hadn't seen her mother as a person before, and this helped her view the individual people in her life differently. Then another article called Skeptic Goes to the Landmark Forum by Tiago Forte read, I walked away from the Landmark Forum with a whole new relationship with my father as my biggest breakthrough. It's been almost a year and a half and it's only gotten better since then. He's no longer a threat to me, no longer an angry and close-minded curmudgeon I have to contain and avoid. He's a friend and partner in life. We can tell each other anything, even on topics where we don't agree. I've become a passionate advocate of the work that Landmark is doing. I know of nothing that comes remotely close in its ability to change lives in such a short time. About a dozen of my friends and family have taken it since then. Everyone has come back to thank me for sharing with them one of the most meaningful experiences of their lives, especially the skeptical ones. Tiago's relationship with his father seems like it's improved a ton and that's fantastic. Hell, even an article from The Guardian says that Though the author thought he'd be brainwashed, he was wrong. It says, Landmark takes you away from life. The three days create a bubble of possibility in which we were able to try on new opinions and experiment with fresh behaviors. Again, that's awesome. This is great that these seminars have helped some people and I'll give credit where it's due. But just as Landmark has had its share of advocates, it also has its share of critics who claim that it's nothing more than a feel good weekend and it's wildly uncomfortable. Other sources have said, if like me, you are not in the habit of sharing highly personal tidbits of your life with 148 strangers for 13 hours a day, three days in a row, then let me uh, share with you what that experience feels like. It feels like intergalactic jet lag or like someone has pumped your head full of a global weather system heavy on the cumulonimbus. Some of the 148 strangers were crying so much they looked as if they'd been boiled. We had all paid $550 each to spend a glorious summer weekend in a fluorescent lighted basement meeting room near Madison Square Garden at the Landmark Forum. 
The forum I attended generated a comedy humane's worth of plot development. A 33-year-old woman called her mother to say that she's gay. A 30-something gentleman called his mother of his illegitimate child and said he wanted to be involved in the life of the child whom he had theretofore so wholly ignored. A 19-year-old woman read a letter she wrote to three men who raped her four years earlier. What sets all this soul-bearing in motion? Here's the setup. During class, there are two 30-minute daytime breaks and a 90-minute one for dinner. Each break brings an assignment. You're not allowed to take notes during class, it's too distracting, and the only thing you can consume in the room is water. If you tell Roger, the forum leader, my boss was surly and unpleasant, Roger will say, no, she wasn't surly and unpleasant. What did she say? This is grueling to watch, though it leads to some breakthroughs. The exercises humiliation axis is highly reminiscent of Antiques Roadshow. Once the conflict has been limbed, the sharer is encouraged, regardless of his antagonistic malfeasance, to forgive or apologize to that antagonist, a fact that is caused by one of my classmates, hilariously, to raise her hand at one point to ask, is the other person ever wrong? Although this writer, Henry Alford, is from the New York Times, said that he resented Roger for the pressure put on him. He believed it did help him months later. Another writer from the Time Magazine also attended a landmark forum led by Roger Smith. I'm not 100% sure if his name is Roger though, but anyway. He wrote that, when I stepped to the mic at Landmark, I thought I could start by offering a mild testimonial. So I said blandly that even as a freelancer, I still felt unable to make enough time for my kids. Smith immediately gutted even that disclosure. There's no such thing as being torn between work and family, he said. Smith is not a trained therapist. Landmark has been criticized for delving into the traumas of largely unscreened participants without having mental health professionals on hand but I found him to be remarkably insightful. He saw through my timid testimony and got right to the truth. If I can't handle being a full-time parent, it's probably because I don't want to. I couldn't argue with him, not because he had a clever script, but because he was right. This writer didn't continue with Landmark after the seminar, but he says he did benefit from having a mirror placed in front of him like that and being told a brutal truth. With the New York Times as well as Time Magazine both falling into this gray area, it made me feel a bit uncertain. I haven't really seen any cult-like behaviors, but at the same time, not having mental health professionals on hand is a bit questionable. So we've seen reviews that love them and reviews that are mixed, but what about those that hate them? A few snippets from the Cult Education Institute have far more negative things to say about Landmark and saw the entire experience from a different light. Here's a few highlights. A friend signed me up for the Landmark Forum. She said it changed her life. I attended last Friday and walked out at the second break after five hours. I was appalled at their tactics. I am still in disbelief that others didn't see through their smokescreen and leave as well. They said we couldn't take notes and then scolded some of the participants publicly who were. Then the leader said, if you don't follow the ground rules, you must have a personal issue with authority, an amazing manipulative argument, making someone else the problem, keeping you from logically doubting their ludicrous tactics. What type of education seminar forbids you from taking notes? These people are masters of control. I saw it early on. They were humiliating people at the microphone as well, shortly before the second break. Besides that, there was no water in the room. The leader lost her cool when a participant moved their chair and she publicly lashed her for doing that and told her to move it back. How odd. 
The leader also rudely scolded one of her staff members in front of everyone. She said, watch the door because someone just left. Then all of a sudden she got that sweet smile on her face. She must've caught herself. A little too late since we all noticed she had a facade. A second testimony reads, as a survivor of the destructive EST and forum, I applaud you for showing the world what a horrible and deceptive bunch of creeps these people are. I'm going to post my story about the damage Warner Earhart did to my life. In short, he ruined it. I was abused as a child at home by my parents who attended this training. They forced me to raise myself and they told me that I created all the bad things that happened to me. They, in essence, were programmed to believe that they didn't have to raise me because I was already a grown human who was responsible for my actions and tragedies. EST destroyed my life in so many ways. If I could save one person from these people, I would. And lastly, another disturbing review claimed, I attended a landmark session and it led me to contact an abusive brother who despises me. I endured one and a half hours of devastating abuse from him as I apologized thanks to my landmark brainwashing. Afterwards, I was disorientated, but lucky enough to have a boyfriend who came and collected me where I stood lost on the street in a very familiar city. I wanted to walk out under a bus. When he got me back to the hotel, I broke. All I wanted was to kill myself, though out of moral duty was willing to go to a mental hospital for the rest of my life instead. Clearly Landmark isn't for everyone. I think it might be able to do great good having people reach out to family members and friends that they have fractured relationships with. It's absolutely helped some people and I won't deny that based on the earlier testimony. However, some people have cut abusers and manipulators and horrible people out of their life for a reason. And if Landmark is encouraging or even demanding their attendees contact those people, that is damaging. I'm not so sure I'd be thinking straight after three days of relentless positivity with little water and sleep. This is why, if anything, they should absolutely have mental health professionals on hand at the very least. So as for this, are their seminars helpful portion? My final answer is, it depends. I don't know how many people have left Landmark feeling furious, hurt, or in tears versus feeling invigorated or inspired. Regardless of the ratio between good or bad, there seems to be enough negative stories to make me believe they're mishandling at least some aspects of the program. I'll leave that up to you guys to make up your own minds, but we're going to get more into the black and white issues that Landmark's had over the years. Now, before I talk about the legal battles Landmark has been in, there's one thing I want to address. If you search Landmark education lawsuits, you may come across a wrongful death lawsuit. It sounds serious, It looks bad, especially considering the last review we read, but this is not the landmark education we're talking about. This was a recent lawsuit brought up against a district in California at Landmark Middle School. I know this may sound dumb to even bring this up because this is the internet and people make mistakes, but I don't want anyone looking into this lawsuit just to read a headline and make an assumption. There is a separate wrongful death lawsuit we will get into, but it's not quite the same. Landmark wasn't at fault in the same way. So anyway, let's get into the legal issues Landmark Forum has faced. One of the first lawsuits came in the mid nineties when Landmark Education sued CAN, the Cult Awareness Network for calling them a cult. The case itself involved a dispute over the legality and applicable usage of what Matthews termed cult indoctrination practices. Can later settled and made a statement that it did not consider Landmark Education a cult as part of the settlement agreement. From the sounds of it, even though the cult awareness had some good concerns and points to be made, they didn't have nearly enough to accuse Landmark of being an actual cult. 
They made points about sleep deprivation, inadequate nutrition, and sensory overload at Landmark Forum, but calling them a cult crossed the line. Landmark Forum won this case, but they lost the next one in 2004. Landmark tried to sue Rick Ross, one of their greatest critics and a culture expert, not Rick Ross the rapper for the record. He's the director of the Cult Education Institute, a source we used earlier for these anonymous stories about Landmark Forum. It's no surprise to me that Landmark tried to shut the Cult Education Institute down after they did the same with CAN, but things didn't play out the same way this time. Now, the thing is, Rick Ross has his own strange and rocky past. Some argue he's not credible, while other sources hail him as an expert deprogrammer. Regardless, he became a massive headache for Landmark. According to one source, in June, 2004, Landmark sued Ross and the Ross Institute in United States District Court for the District of New Jersey, asserting claims of product disparagement, tortious interference with ongoing and prospective business relations, trademark disparagement under the Lanham Act, consumer fraud and unfair competition under New Jersey law and prima facie tort. Ross and the Institute filed an answer in September, 2004 without moving to dismiss. In it, they asserted various defenses, including that the statements were statements of opinion, the fair comment privilege and lack of actual malice. The details are not clear, but Landmark appears to have voluntarily dismissed the case in December, 2005. The reason why this proved to be such a massive loss for Landmark is because Unlike in the 90s, this shows that at least to some extent that they can't argue against Rick Ross's claims. I'm not saying that this does make them a cult for sure. It just doesn't make them look good. But Landmark's reputation only got worse and much, much worse. In fact, around the same timeframe in the early 2000s, according to Tulsa World, a newspaper in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Attorneys for Jason Weed and the family of the Tulsa postman he killed agree on one thing, that a motivational seminar he attended days before the shooting drove him insane, according to a pending civil lawsuit. But attorneys representing Landmark Education Corp, the company that hosted the educational seminar, maintain that the accusations are baseless and that the company was drawn into the suit only for money. Weed shot postman Robert Jenkins to death on December 12th, 2001, but was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He is in custody at a federal medication facility, at least for now, pending an appeals court ruling whether he can be released on the grounds that his mental disorder was temporary. Federal prosecutors say Weed should be kept in a controlled custody environment until it becomes clear what caused him to shoot Jenkins to death but the cause has eluded authorities despite several expert opinions. Steroid use, recreational drugs, brain injury, and epilepsy have all been ruled out as a cause. Prosecutors have said Weed's psychologist believes that an underlying mental defect prompted the psychotic episode. Jenkins' mother, Janine Bean, filed a lawsuit against Weed in April, 2003. Landmark was added as a defendant in December, court records show. Filings since that time show that Jenkins' family, as well as Weed's attorneys, claim that Weed was driven insane by his treatment during a landmark seminar. The lawsuit also alleges that this was not the first time someone committed murder soon after attending a landmark education seminar, and that the group is manufacturing psychotic slash insane killers and others with varying degrees of mental disorders, court records show. Landmark Education believes that Jenkins' killing was a horrible tragedy and it denies any responsibility for Weed's actions, said Oliver Howard, a Tulsa attorney representing Landmark in the suit. 
These allegations against Landmark Education are completely inaccurate and unfounded and only serve to prolong this tragedy for the families involved, said Art Schreiber, Landmark Education's general counsel. Furthermore, Howard said Landmark officials believe that the company was drawn into the suit because claims against weed alone would not produce any monetary recovery. I think it's really, really dangerous to speculate if Landmark can brainwash someone into becoming a murderer. Like, I don't even know if I wanna go there. And considering how many people have gone to their seminars, I highly doubt it just turns sane people into killers. Otherwise we'd have far, far more cases. But by the same token, I do wonder if these seminars may push someone over the edge, someone who might be already internally struggling, that is. The plaintiffs in this case have even argued that Landmark knows their seminars can cause serious strains on those with mental illness. And that's why they actually screen for that in the first place. The final judgment did fall in Landmark's favor though. Even though Landmark education is still by far one of the most controversial topics I think I've researched. We'll touch more on that in just a second, but seriously, with MLMs, I don't find any positive press until it comes from the MLM or their community. With a lot of bad businesses I cover, they have good days and charitable actions, but people don't deny their shady behavior. But Landmark Education, on the other hand, well, it's been a while since I've seen such a split on people for and against them, and it's really interesting. Anyway, Landmark still has more lawsuits in their past, almost entirely against those who speak badly of them. So let's go over those, shall we? In 1993, Landmark Education Corporation sued Self Magazine for defamation. The defamation claim by Landmark involved the article published in February, 1993. Defendants moved for summary judgment, which the court denied. In a settlement agreement, Ellie released Condé Nast publications from any and all claims relating to the article and Self Magazine issued a one sentence editor note stating that the magazine had no firsthand evidence that the Landmark Forum is a cult. In 1994, Landmark sued the original Cult Awareness Network and Cynthia Kisser, its then executive director for among other allegations, issuing leaflets about destructive cults. This one we already mentioned in a bit more detail earlier, so we'll keep moving right along. In 1996, Landmark Education Corporation sued Dr. Margaret Singer, an adjunct UC Berkeley professor of psychology for defamation. Singer had mentioned L.E. in her co-authored book, Cults in Our Mist. The text did not make it entirely clear whether she labeled the organization as a cult or not. Singer admitted at deposition that she had no personal firsthand knowledge of Landmark or its programs. In 1998, Landmark sued Hatchet Philippachi Media, U.S. publishers of Elle Magazine for an allegedly defamatory article published in Elle Magazine, written by Roseberry Mahoney and titled, Do You Believe in Miracles? In 1998, Landmark attempted to compel Stephen Pressman to respond to deposition questions aimed at obtaining the confidential sources he used for research on his book, Outrageous Betrayal, The Dark Journey of Werner Erhard from EST to Exile. Ellie dropped the action against Pressman after the settlement of its litigation against the Cult Awareness Network. In 2003, journalists surreptitiously filmed participants in a landmark forum in France and selected excerpts were incorporated into a television documentary broadcast by France 3 in 2004. LE took the view that the program as a whole was biased, inaccurate and misleading, and that France 3 has violated the personal rights of individuals unwittingly filmed using hidden cameras. One of the women shown in the program stated publicly that she felt it was an intrusion of her privacy and that the extract taken out of context 
and that she benefited from her participation in the Landmark Forum. Subsequently, an anonymous individual posted this footage on the internet. Landmark appealed to copyright law and served a subpoena on Internet Archive to have it removed and to reveal the identity of the poster. The EFF declined, considering that Landmark was misusing copyright law to take down criticisms referring to what it called Landmark's internet censorship campaign. Landmark withdrew its application. They've also sued a Swiss group, demanding InfoSecta say they aren't a cult. Landmark demanded that Martin Lell, a German author, remove the word brainwashing from his book title, The Forum Account of a Brainwashing, the psycho outfit Landmark Education. But they lost because the German court determined that the word brainwashing constituted a matter of opinion. They've sued the Swiss magazine Facts for referring to them as a cult, Panorama magazine in the Netherlands. And holy shit. I mean, I've justified defamation lawsuits before on this channel, but this is insane. If a company or person is wrongfully attacked, they do have the right to fight back. But I find it really, really difficult to believe that all these authors and professionals are continually calling Landmark a cult for the fun, the hex, the giggles of it. Seriously though, I'm not about to straight up call Landmark a cult, but maybe we can all agree that at a bare minimum, This is kind of shady. I just find it hard to discredit so many reporters and it looks a bit suspicious how angry and lawsuit happy Landmark gets when trying to squash those claims. It's just weird because if a pattern emerges and over multiple decades, people continue to call you a cult, then there's gotta be something that's like cult-like, right? Like something's gotta be just not the norm here. But again, this is my own opinion here and I'd be happy to hear yours wherever you wanna spout off about it. If you've attended a landmark forum thing before or you know someone who has. Also as a small aside here, apparently Lululemon used to push for their employees to attend these classes and that's originally where landmark forum was mentioned. So just FYI as to where that came from, this was originally because of the Lululemon episode. But anyway, whether you find Landmark good, bad, boring, whatever, that's up to you. Personally, the thing that I find most worrying is how quick they are to silence critics. And it says either a lot about what they're potentially hiding or you know, maybe that they're just lawsuit happy. Either one, not a very good look as a business. And it most certainly doesn't seem like a seminar I plan on attending anytime soon. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. Let me know what you think on social media, wherever we connect outside of the podcast. Do you think Landmark is cult, cult cult-like, or do you think this is a super over-enthusiastic three-day seminar and maybe this is just a bunch of rumors? Let me know your thoughts over on social media. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, make sure to follow the podcast so you never miss another upload. I upload regularly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you so much for watching another episode of The Corporate Casket, and I'll see you again sometime soon. Bye.